Ah, Cabrini Green, Candyman country. Well, if you're after the hookman, Helen, you really must read the paper I wrote about him ten years ago. I mean, you do know the story, don't you? No. <laughs> Come along, everyone. Hey, welcome back to House of a Thousand Horrors. We are kind of rounding out the Candyman uh, legend today. We got Candyman 3. I'm Jordan. I got Riley with me. Hey, guys. We just got one more movie and then we can talk about the new one. Bro, I saved it. One more big step. I saved this till now. I got hot takes on this movie, dude. (laughs) The best for last. Yeah, I got some real hot takes. You want it now or you want me to wait? Dude, I'm pretty sure anything you have to say about this movie is not going to be a hot take. If it if it's anything negative, that's just you tell, know. Well, tell me this: is. I kind of like it more than I do like it more than Candyman too. You know what? I I feel some way very similar to what you're saying because I kind of felt that through the movie. But <laughs> Damn, over, I, don't, I can't help it. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I mean, so I'm was gonna, the second one. I'm going to say overall, weirdly enough, this did a little bit less harm to me than watching the second, but I just got so bored. See, it, I felt that weird. way about the second one, how boring it was. Yeah, dude, I, I traded out rage for boredom from two to three. It, it was such a weird flux, but I'll <laughs> tell you right now, there are a lot more shining moments in this than there was in the second one. That's what I'm saying. There's some more yeah. memorable things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I finally figured it out, dude. That's why I kept mistaking the third one for the second one. That's why I never even heard of the second one, because some of the scenes that I saw this time around, I, I recognized them genuinely. Wait, have you you hadn't seen this movie, though, right? Like no, I hadn't movie? seen this fully, but I, I've seen scenes from like TV, like from catching my dad watching it, and it scared the shit out of me, not having any context for what it was. Yeah, I hadn't seen this movie either. Um, I the second one, I knew I had seen it at some point. It looked familiar. This one, none of it. I definitely have not seen this movie. So boy, what a trip it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm just gonna cover just the basic information on it. Obviously, it's called Candyman Three: Day of the Dead. Um, it was released, and so I got like release dates of January of 2000. Um, but what? also. Yeah, that's that's what's listed in Argentina. It says on IMDb, but that's the main release date, January oh, Argentina. Yeah, January twenty seventh, two thousand. But it says in USA, it was released July 9th, nineteen ninety nine, as the TV yeah. premiere. Oh wait, yeah, so, this premiered on TV. I'm pretty sure because if you look on production company, it has like um, HBO listed as like one of the release production companies. So I think I know this was like this definitely didn't go in theaters in the US. Like, it's considered just, like, a straight-to-VHS movie. But I yeah. also think, like, it went straight to HBO is what that it looks is, like. I was going to say that's so bizarre, but it makes a lot of sense looking at the budget of this movie. I mean, look where we're at now, man. Everything's getting released exclusively on HBO before the theaters. Dude, Candyman 3 setting the precedent Damn. right there. Damn, foreshadow, dude. Crazy. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> 22 years in the making. Well, if anybody wants to watch it, 
while you still can stream it? Because I know you had a hard time finding it because you don't have Hulu. Dude, it was nowhere. It was literally nowhere. You're right. I couldn't find it either. <laughs> it's Thank God you told me about Hulu because, like, I swear to God, I wouldn't have been able to fucking cover this episode. Dude, it's like, going to be even a on lost YouTube, there's barely. Yeah, for real. Dude, you need to get a VHS of this. Seriously. I'm, I'm, <laughs> on, that, I'm on the hunt. I'm on the hunt. Yeah, it's rated R. It's an hour and a half. Thank God it's no longer than that. Um, <laughs> and then just to give a br- the brief synopsis, and this is someone else because I didn't even find like the VHS version, but someone basically wrote it out. But it's the Candyman returns to try to convince his female descendant, an artist, to join him as a legendary figure. To this end, he frames her for a series of hideous murders of her friends and associates, so, so that she has nowhere else to turn to. Um, never heard that one before. Yeah, wow, what an original plot to a thrilling trilogy. Holy, holy cow, man. Candyman, huh? Yes, have you heard of him? Mm-hmm, you doing a study on him? Yes, I am. What have you heard? So, the tagline of this movie is, Blood is sharper than the blade. Oh, because of family ties. Sharper though, I was trying to think of like what they're trying to do there. After I said they it. say a couple of things in this movie that they kind of fucking break me out of the whole sleepy vibe I had watching it through. I was like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? Hello, <laughs> like what? What? Do you, what? That's so cryptic. Is that even? Is that metaphorical or is that fucking literal, dude? Oh, they tried. There's so many callbacks to the first <laughs> one, a lot. but it falls so flat. It's. It, and it's so strange, man. You you know where this is located, right? Like okay, the, the so setting? that took me a while. Yeah, just like the second <laughs> one for me, at least personally. The second one, I feel like at least was pretty obvious. They really shoved it down your throat. This one, uh, yikes! That's supposed to be Los Angeles, East yeah. LA. I didn't find that out till I'll get to it in my notes at some point. But it was, I feel like like twenty minutes into the movie that I figured yeah. it out. I'm like, is this supposed to be Miami? Because they're going with the whole Spanish angle. I, you know, I, I didn't want to be that guy, but I was thinking something like similar to that. I'm like, okay, wait, where are we? That there's so much like Hispanic ties to. Like, I, I really couldn't think of anything, especially like since this probably takes place. What? How many years after the second? Oh, one? just wait on that one. <laughs> yeah, because I, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot it. of questions about that because that's weird as fuck. Just wait on that one. Holy shit. We got some juicy fucking bits to, to eat up in this fucking episode. Well, the budget, like, I recently found out is listed as $3 million. Like, how It's not really yeah. listed, so. Like, t- like, literally TV budget almost. Yeah, TV honestly, quality. could have been less, so I don't <laughs> even know. Um, I, mean, was, I don't want to sound like that guy. I don't know what the fuck they spent it on for this movie. $3 million seems high, so I don't know if that's just... I mean, all of the budgets I don't really trust to some extent because of the whole movie math angle. Like, they're never going to actually publicize what their budget is because they're trying to yeah. always make it seem like a loss. So even the most <laughs> successful movies of all time are, are still show it as a loss. So although budget was at least found something listing as $3 million, gross, like, I just couldn't find anything because it's like you would have to find out, like, the... VHS sales or the HBO deal. It does say it was filmed in East Los Angeles, though, so I'm guessing they're on location there. Um, our actors, of course, we got Tony Todd back in the saddle. 
<laughs> back in the coat, dude. Back in the back yeah, in black. Back with Yo. the hook. The boy with the hook. <laughs> oh, we got uh, our great star, Donna DeErico. That's Caroline McKeever. Wow, what a what a unique character. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what a deep character. Yeah. Oh, for real. I love her personality. I got some fun facts about her. And I was trying to think of why she looks so familiar because there's a few characters in here that I'm like, why do I know them? A few actors. So this isn't why I recognize her, but she is the divorced spouse of Nikki Six of Motley Crue and have a child together. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, actually, what the fuck? Dude, that just threw me in for a fucking loop. Are you real? I mean, she's a smoke show. That makes sense. It makes so much sense. Yeah, but Motley Crue, what? Yeah. Dude, what the fuck? She's got a kid I, with Nikki Six, dude. Holy shit! Dude, this is her and you're peak doing too. Candyman three. What the fuck, what, bro? What she's killing the game right now at this time. Well, she's just outside of killing oh, the game in that time. Yeah, because yeah, okay. she was on right, Baywatch yeah. from '96 to '98, and that's definitely where I know her from. She was on it for 44 oh. episodes. Was Donna Marco? Okay. <laughs> she looks straight out of episodes? Baywatch. Yeah, 44. I mean, I could tell some, 44. Dude, I could tell with those washboard abs of hers. Like, they, they had so many camera angles in this movie that just showed her fucking oh abs. Oh, my gosh. All those crop tops. I and I like, took Dude. note of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Yeah, so, I mean, she's got the stereotypical, and this makes sense why she's from Baywatch. She has the stereotypical blonde, like, I hate to say it, but like the blonde bimbo look of, like, the 90s, like the Pamela yeah. Anderson she looks it's so. Like it's so obvious. <laughs> you know, she's got the whole look: big boobs, blonde, like bleach blonde hair. She's got the whole look. She never wears a bra. None of her outfits never. involve a bra. Never. And thank God, that's why I love this movie. <laughs> Dude, they, when I saw those first pair of tits, I was like, "Yo!" Immediately interested. <laughs> yeah, like this plot is reaching out to me, Jordan. Dude, Dude. this one really grabbed me. Oh, ne- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to fucking grab Candyman three, dude. Dude, this this made it an instant classic because this, and you know what, a certified it. hood classic, <laughs> even East LA hood classic. Yeah, but you know <laughs> Jordan, what? There we go. I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but and that's why I respect it because Candyman two started hitting all these horror tropes, but then still tried to be like the slow build up suspense that didn't work. This one goes balls to the walls with a lot of it, so you know I respect it for that. Like we're gonna put a a bimbo as the main lead. We're gonna show lots of titties, and th- that's what it's gonna be. It's funny because appearances can be deceiving. Because for the first like fifteen minutes, dude, she was kind of being a smart fucking person. Because she was like, "Dude, don't try it. Don't try the myth." Oh you know, yeah, don't, don't be saying that name. And I'm like, "Good fuck, good job. Holy shit, Annie taught you something. About wow, time. character development. You mean mama?" Oh, yeah. But I don't want to just say she was only on Baywatch, all right? She was also on 34 episodes of Baywatch Nights. So, and that was 96 to 97. So, like, 96 to 98, she's killing it. This is in 2000. Mm -hmm. Or, no, it was probably filming in, like, 98. So, this is coming right off of it. Unfortunately for her, and this sounds bad, but it seems like after Baywatch, that was her peak, and then this is directly after she realized, like, there's nothing else out there for me outside of Baywatch. Because poetically, dude, Candyman killed her. She was also playmate of the month for the September '95 issue of Playboy. Oh, but but of course. I mean, yeah. 
Um, I mean, do you think with all that clout in the in the nineties, late nineties, you think that set her for life or? I mean, being married to Nikki Six, if they didn't sign a prenup, that helped for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you know, you also get the what's it called? Well, I can't think of it. When you divorce someone, you have a kid, like alimony. Yeah, alimony. But she's in episodes here and there of uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine in 2019, I think Reno Nine One One in 2004. Okay. Yeah, she's in a lot of episodes, and you're gonna see that about a lot of these actors. They're in an episode here or there of a lot of shows. Um, I do like her trademark section on IMDb. It lists four trademarks. Her number one is curvaceous, buxom figure. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, blonde hair. Sparkling right. blue eyes. Can't okay. tell. <laughs> no one's looking. And breathless voice. So, you know, she's got okay. a lot to offer if you want to put her in the next movie. Now we got to go to my boy, Jesus Garcia. as David De La Paz. Her, like, oh, yeah somehow interested uh like romantic person in this um legend automatically for being in the original nightmare on elm street is rod lane he's the like kind of douchey friend of johnny depp in them really yeah dude holy shit i'll be real i saw him and i was like i feel like you know he deserves to be recognized but i just couldn't put my finger on it for who he was yeah, that's his big. He has a Damn. crazy interesting story just alone. There's a uh, it's awesome documentary about all the Nightmare on Elm Street. It's called Never Sleep Again. It's like over four hours, but he's on there talking about how like when he was doing that first Nightmare on Elm Street, he was like all strung out on drugs and was just being like kind of a maniac. And, Jesus, really? Yeah, it was just winging it. He didn't really have any experience, and he was just like a womanizer doing a bunch of drugs, like having a good time. It, it, it's a crazy story. Um, he's in New Nightmare though as well. Um, when Wes Craven came back and did a uh, another Nightmare on Elm Street, um, he's in Predator Two. He's in another Wes Craven movie, Vampire in Brooklyn, with Eddie Murphy. Uh, he's listed as Nick Corey in those all those movies though. Like I, I'm guessing that's his acting name because another part of it was like I remember him talking about in Nightmare on Elm Street. He was supposed to be playing an Italian dude. But he's Spanish, but he didn't he didn't think Spanish people would get roles, so that was his thing. So I'm guessing the Nick Corey thing was like his stage name, Italian name. Mm, okay. All right. And then there's Anyways. all this crazy stuff if you actually want to read up on it, how he has this guru called Dr. John Roger. It's like a spiritual guru he like traveled around the world with and he did a documentary on him and he's like walked to Great Wall of China, Mount Sinai, the pyramids. Yeah, so he, he gets around. Yeah, he's done all this. It's crazy. And he's trying to get his doctorate in spiritual science. So, Ooh, dang. all right, a fucking stud and a scholar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man, holy shit! Both of our leading Donna and his studs. We and got scholars. some fucking stars for this cast. Holy shit! Seriously. Damn. Okay. He also ran the 2004 LA Marathon in six hours and 18 minutes without training. Yo. <laughs> so, before he talks shit. I, there's learn. nothing to fucking talk about, dude. That's what I thought. Just He's sure. the fucking man. Um, what else we got? Shit. We got Wade Williams as Detective Samuel Kraft, the uh, racist cop, basically, racist detective. Yep. Instantly stood out to me because he's in Prison Break as Bad Belli- Brad Bellick. He's on 63 episodes. Yeah. That's a great show. He kills it in that. 
and he's just that dude. He's super recognizable right off the bat too, because he's mm-hmm. he's that like character actor in like one episode of every show. <laughs> yeah, especially the murder ones. Like he's on Bones, The Mentalist, Criminal Minds, Monk, Burn Notice. Like he's an episode in all of those as like a detective or cop or prison warden. He's also Damn, a warden. So- what were you gonna say? I'm just going to say, dude, for a budget of three mil, we definitely got some names on this roster. Dude, they grabbed up some talent. Wow. Holy shit, dude. He's also a, uh, he's the, the like the warden in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I, I was about to say, that's where I recognized him a little bit, the face. Yeah. He's just got the warden, Rises. bad cop vibe. And he's, he's to me, the he's the Danny DeVito of, you know, <laughs> sh- like mean cops. Yeah, he's got the look down. He's a good actor, though. He's <laughs> to me, that's my best actor of the whole movie. He killed it. He was, yeah, he was really good. The character's stupid, but his acting, I thought, was the good. acting is, yeah. That's what I, to be fair, that's what I really feel like for almost this entire, not trilogy, I, I'd say these two movies after the first. You got really talented actors, but really shitty characters. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah. I don't, well, I'm def- we're definitely going to talk about him. But a crossover in terms of, like, um, the Rob Zombie movie, House of House of a Thousand Corpses, he's uh, then the third movie, Three from Hell, as Buford Tuttle. <laughs> so, and also the voice actor of Harvey Dent in Batman The Dark Knight Rises Returns, or The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 animated movie. The animated movie, okay. So he voice acts. Bro, what well. doesn't he do? Fuck. I'll wait. We got literally Mr. Worldwide, and he's also 5'11". <laughs> you got all these Mr. Worldwides in one fucking movie. Well, Holy I'll talk shit. about my uh, boy Jesus, because he's 6'1", so... Oh, stud. Stud. <laughs> uh, Alexia... Stud status. Tamara, who's the her token black friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly. That's yeah, what, <laughs> yeah. She her actor name is Alexia Rob or her name is Alexia Robinson. Um, she really hasn't been in anything, but she is Tiffany in Total Recall and Sexy Girl in 1996's The Nutty Professor. Well, another another point to her. She was born in Florida, dude. So what? Hey, we 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 got a real one. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Well, she hasn't done anything, but somehow she does own and operate the Alexa Robinson Alexia Robinson Acting Studio in North Hollywood, California. If you're trying to pick up some tips. Okay, shit. Dude, okay. Fuck, are we going to keep going through all these fucking A-lists right now? I got one more for you. Lupe Anteveros as Abuela. Hilarious. Oh, I fucking Uh, love Abuela, dude. I love her so much. She made such a fucking iconic (laughs) appearance. No meme, by the way. I I genuinely fell in love with this character. Really? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to love going into this. She's basically, just to go, I mean, she's another one. She's been in, I don't know why she looks so familiar, but she's been in an episode of everything as well. Um, (laughs) She's Rosalita in The Goonies. She's Miguel's mother in The Red Shoe Diaries in the episode Juarez, which is basically like softcore porn. And she also plays Carlos's mom in Mind Dementia episode one and five, or one and two. And another, uh, this will probably get into your, this will be a crossover with your interest. She's Mama oh, Martinez shit. in two episodes of Corey in the house in 2007. <laughs> That's probably where you recognize her. Yo! 
Let's go, dude. I knew you'd love that, dude. Fu- Yo! <laughs> yes! Oh! Woo! Oh, dude, we're I'm fucking pumped with energy right now. I Holy shit, I'm fucking that, ready to that one was for take you, this man. episode to new heights. Don't say I never did fuck? anything for you. <laughs> Thank you, dude. We... Bro, let's get let's fucking jump into it. I'm ready. Dude, that's what I'm we ready, needed. Man. That's the spark we needed, man. <laughs> Yo, we, this whole house is hot, boy. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh shit. Well, you got Oh, let's go. We just got to get into it. There's so much to talk about, but I just have to cover the director Turi Meyer, um, the last legend. Um <laughs> The last legend. Oh, dude. Uh, the last of the good ones. <laughs> His only oh, directing yeah. credits I got are really for this movie. He's got an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer called Smashed in 2001. He's got three episodes of Angel, a TV movie called Alien Express, and two episodes of Smallville in 2010. Uh, he also has the writing credits of Leprechaun 2 in 1994. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, wait, what? Yeah. He did Leprechaun? Leprechaun 2. Leprechaun 2? Leprechaun Still 2. writing. getting your name on that franchise for writing. And that movie? Wow. I don't want to put any spoilers about the rating of this movie is, but that movie, Leprechaun 2, is rated 0.6 higher than this one. Yeah. Now, the other writer of Leprechaun 2 is the other writer of this movie, Alfredo Septian. Uh, both of them, like, all their credits are for, like, uh, mostly TV co-executive producing for like Smallville, Vampire Diaries, mm-hmm. Salem, Stargirl. And he has writing credits for Wrong Turn 2. So these guys are like the sequel, horror sequel masters. Yeah, but dude. But they write everything together, it looks like. They're like a team of partners. Yeah. And, you know, it took, writer, two, bad writer. it took two powerhouse writers to write this movie, you know. So you need a bolt of them. Shit. If one's not there, I mean this wouldn't be what it was you know what Ju- it, exactly how we fucking said it for the first one jordan if one even keen detail was missing even minute it would not be the same it would not hit all the marks that it hits that's what i'm saying that's why the second Dude. one fell flat for real they the never had one, these two boys on we're back in it baby back in it dude let's go bro Candyman's coming back all right well it's about that time I hear you looking for Candyman, bitch. Well, you found him. Dick, has there ever been a better segue for that? Dude, I let me let me just tell you right now. The the amount of energy that's fucking flowing through this room. Coursing. I am <laughs> coursing. <laughs> fucking horsepower over here, dude. So what do you want to jump into first, Jordan? What do you want to I talk about? I guess we got to go with the opening. So, what did you, what did you think? C- okay, cinematography-wise, how did it feel? Tropey? Unique well, for the trilogy? Or? So, I mean, it's... <laughs> when you can get into how it doesn't even make sense, but also, right out the gates, too, I'm like... But it's been haunting her family for years, Jordan. Okay, like I don't even know if we have to go in order because there's just so much <laughs> to tie into the, like 
Okay, if we're going haunting, if we're talking about Let, haunting. Let's just go in, dude. Let's just go in. <laughs> well, I, okay, so with the opening yeah. scene, I mean, right out the gates, too, just like I was saying, kind of the bimbo thing. Like, right out the oh, gates, yeah, I'm like, you know, oh, yeah. Wearing now, the t- yeah. Now we're doing it. That scene took me 30 minutes to get through, by the way. I, I was taking so <laughs> many notes, bro. Yeah, notes? Oh, for real. I mean, she's dude, in her underwear. Pages. Like. She's got like the '90s like belly shirt and her underwear and like a murder right out the gates in the beginning. I'm dude, like, oh my gosh, Candyman we did caught it. her with the pants down, dude. <laughs> the game's changed in Candyman Three, Jordan. It's not the same in Candyman Two. But respect, because I'm like, now they're going for it. Don't do half tropey. Like, go balls you know, to the walls. And and to be fair, I first watch, I, I all I wanted to do was kind of shit on it, and then second watch goes around. I'm like, you know what? They stick to their guns in this one. Not like the fucking second. Bro, and there's a huge twist in the opening because you think, oh, blonde bimbo in her underwear. She got murked. Okay, that makes sense. You don't think she's going to be the protagonist? <laughs> I kind of I kind of thought so. Really? A little bit, yeah. Why just, would they open be- with her getting killed then? It's all a dream. Subvert your really expectations, is. Jordan. Candyman 3. Like I said, the game's changed, dude. Dude, two Different twists now. and one. She doesn't <laughs> actually die, and it was all a dream. The bimbo lives. We'll, we'll get ready, dude. We got like three more dream sequences after this. Oh, my gosh. What is going on <laughs> with that? Lot. This movie with the whole Candyman, do, he's like a sorcerer, basically. Well, to, you know, and that's what, yo. He's kind of Freddy Krueger. Well, and it's weird because in this movie, they utilize this hypnosis the most. And it's like, okay, we kind of knew that. Oh, wait, you're giving him that? You're giving him that it was hypnosis? Yeah, dude. (laughs) Wow. Imagine a CGI Tony Todd, like, literally fucking no clipping right in front of you with a fucking set, like a uh, subway full of bees. And he's fucking, he's being edited to levitate down. And you're just like, dude, I cannot, mentally, I'm fucking. I'm well, tapped out. I will say, this movie comes to surprise me because right, I was about, I was so mad. I'm like, wow. So they're doing like the hot girl getting murdered right in the beginning, but they don't show it. They just show him razor hook and she screams. So I'm like, wow. I knew the only thing I really knew was that this was a straight to like VHS movie. So I'm like, wow. So it's not even they're not even going to show the kills. This is going to be the worst movie ever. But they really flipped that for me. Like I personally, the reason why I didn't think she got killed in the beginning was just because I I feel like it had to be Caroline that we saw in the beginning. No, like, the blonde bimbo. No, that was her. No, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That's why I knew she didn't get killed. Oh. I'm like I'm like this is totally our protagonist. She's a fucking babe, dude. Like granted, babes yeah, get killed the all the time in horror worked, movies. You know? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you, because and it's so anti. Okay, so. I probably talked about this in the second one, but like the first and second one, they're like, it's not that Helen and I forgot what's Caroline's mom's name. Annie. 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 It's not that they're not attractive. It's just not that they're, I have to keep using, they're not bimbos in that sense. And like the horror movie bimbo. kind of And so like, no, I totally did not think she would be the protagonist because of that. I didn't think she'd be the daughter. I didn't think they were continuing that storyline at all. To be honest, I thought they were just going to not actually. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like it's just no. I mean, I I get it. Yeah, the casting alone. I'm glad they did what they did. Don't get me wrong, but the casting alone <laughs> exactly. is so off. Right there, <laughs> I think it's just the best name they could get. 
you know, for what they were trying to do. But it's mm. it does not match up to like the you know the the Candyman aesthetic. It doesn't make sense to me. But hey, I ain't complaining. Oh yeah, it's nothing to complain about. But again, it's a different game, new rules, Jordan. I mean, and then doesn't it? So it shows rolls titles right after she like screams like he murdered, and, yeah. and it goes right to her, doesn't it? Um, after the whole, yeah, credit sequence, <laughs> so, I think it just goes to, is she like waking up on the couch or something or? Yeah, something like this. So what's the, and then we meet, uh, her friend. Tamara. Tamara. Yeah. yeah. And already I'm like, oh, okay. So we're doing the stereotypical, you know, the, the black friend thing. The black roommate in Los Angeles, East Los Angeles. Yeah. All so right. there's all these things that you could be like, oh, it's a call. If you want to be nice, you could give it a call back to the first one, but it really, it's just a straight rip off with no like thought being put towards it yeah <laughs> so they do do the mirror thing too which is another like straight you know inspired by rip off where her and tamara go in the mirror yeah yeah but well i do respect caroline for and and granted in my notes i go from her being the smartest character in the movie to the stupidest fucking character in the movie with, but I think, in a span hottest. of 20 minutes. But was she not still the hottest? Answer the question. Answer the question. Garcia is right remain, there. Garcia is right there, Jordan. But did she remain the hottest from opening to close? Did you see Garcia's boobs? I risked my Fuck, case. Fuck, you got me. You, <laughs> Boom. You know what? All right. Handled that one, and Done I took deal, I took All extensive right. notes, so don't even worry about that. I mean, you're talking about you know Caroline's boobs, but can we talk about Annie's? The rack on that dead Mama Sita, dude. That gilf. That gilf. <laughs> Ugh. Wait, it, yeah, let's which, not go too far ahead. So that's an interesting choice, though. To still, I what. I, I'll let you go because I really, really, really liked how Candyman implemented using her mom as like this how sort of. Though it doesn't make what? sense. Oh, it absolutely doesn't because when I see that, I'm like, "Where the fuck is Helen? Where the fuck is Helen?" This but, turns into like a demonic movie. Exactly, but I, I, I even really, really liked the bathroom scene when you first see her mom. Well, in, in that the, form. In the bathtub? No, in the bathroom. Right after the bathtub. When when you first, after you see like, oh, that she died and it's like, no, she killed herself. And it's like, no, she fucking didn't. Candyman killed her. Why did Candyman kill her? Because Annie's fucking just the stupidest fucking person on earth for well, whatever reason. I have a feeling there was heavy inspiration from Nightmare on Elm Street because you have the character from the first Nightmare on Elm Street, you have Candyman like taunting them and bringing back people that are dead to taunt them. Well, only one person, right? Yeah, but he's still using that Even still, yeah. You know, that's how Freddy operates in their dreams. He like, you know, taunts them and like shows them like their dead friend or something. So just like with uh, the mom keep popping up and he's like killing her in front of her and stuff. Uh, that just gave me huge Nightmare on Elm Street vibes, especially the bathtub and the bathroom scenes, a lot of that, and the whole, oh, he she committed suicide, but she didn't really. All that, yeah, to me, I, is from Nightmare on Elm Street. I really liked the ambiance of, like, the droplets 
from like, oh, I did blood like that. to water. That was that yeah. was clever. That was like genuinely pretty cool. And that, it was coming out of the like faucet, saying, right? Um, in the original bathroom, like the first, the opening scene, yeah. yeah. And then later, uh, the second time it's used is when, uh, David and Caroline, uh, they go to the bar to locate the gang that they think is responsible for stealing all the paintings from the art museum. And first of all, right off the bat, that is the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard. Yeah, let's find the criminal gang. Oh my god! Get there. Can we? Let, okay. Come right on. before we get into that. Let, before we get into the shit, let me talk about something I really liked. I liked, even though it wasn't very Candyman, I really liked how when Caroline goes to the restroom because she's creeped out by, you know, that other fucking MILF in the bar, she's like, uh, Roses de la Mortes or something like that. Roses Dia for the de Dead. Dia de los Muertos. Dia yeah, de los I muertos. fucking butchered it. But uh, she goes to the restroom, she's uncomfortable, yada, yada. And then we see that, like, you know, that scene where. And. I appreciate the effort, but did you notice that like really choppy edit of when she goes to like rubs her hands and stuff in the water, puts it to her face, it cuts to like you know blood and stuff when she rubs it in her face. Hmm. She's trying to splash water in her face, and then she she gets blood in it instead. But they do a really choppy cut of it. It's not really really well edited. No, I don't remember that. You don't remember that when she goes to the restroom, when Candyman appears in the restroom at the bar, that like green room. No, I watched it a few days ago, so I might have forgot that. Really? Okay. I, I just recently rewatched it today, actually, just so that way I could get a couple more scenes in mind. But oh. re- it was it was a cool idea, poorly executed. But you know, she's freaking out. Candyman doesn't approach her yet, or I might be misremembering the scene. But she hears droplets coming, and it's not from the sink because she turns it off because she's you know covered her face in blood. And then uh, you start seeing feet. It's like a it's a it's a shot of some person's feet, and I literally think it's Caroline's at first. I'm like, bitch, where are your shoes? Hello? <laughs> like, completely out of the blue. And then it's like her fucking mom, because you see blood trailing down the leg, and I'm like, all right, this is not Caroline. And then you see, like, those fucking pitch black eyes. Like, the eyes are, like, expanded and shit. Super demonic. Yes, I do like, remember that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I dude, that shot, I was like, whoa, okay. Right. Like, this isn't really Candyman, but no. like this is fucking creepy. No, but I do like you're okay, so yeah, if we're and that's why I don't I'll give it some credit because we're at the third one now. It's straight to VHS, mm-hmm. like they're in a rut. They're just basically using the candyman yeah. and they're going with all the tropes. At this point, it's fine then. Like Yeah, if if you can't point, make that artistic and great of a movie as a first one, do this then. <laughs> and I don't yeah, like it. For real, like if if you can't really even compete narratively, at least do some really cool shit. And this, to be fair, I feel like this movie is just like fuck it. You know, we're gonna try to write it, but we're just gonna make a lot of shit look really nice because it's definitely it the really bloodiest. Weird. Like yeah, best kills. yeah, exactly. And it has the least amount of well, not the least out of the trilogy, but it has less jump scares than the second one. Still, a few that are kind of fucking silly. Because I'll, I'll bring up one iconic one that just makes no fucking sense. Which but, one? yeah, scenes like that, though, when, like, watching through this movie, like, the overall plot is nothing super unique. It's nothing interesting. That's why I kind of said in the beginning I was bored my first watch. But it's those scenes that come and go where they're like, oh, fuck, like, okay, like, they, they bring me back. Like that bathroom scene with the mom, the the appearance of her dead mom first, or Annie, I should say, 
you know, that was creepy. You know, she's naked. Her fucking throat is just all bloodied up and shit. Chest, nipples covered in blood. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I can't believe they did my girl Caroline like that. Just showed her boobs out. <laughs> like, Caroline? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Annie. Uh, Annie. Come on, dude. <laughs> Annie. Yeah, but well, that's the thing. And, I don't need... That's what kind of like why I like horror movies, though. I don't need it to have a great plot. If you're trying too hard... Like, the second one was trying too hard, and it yeah. missed so bad. At least, if you're going to have a bad plot, like, just, yeah, make it crazy or, like, insane kills, stuff like that. That that fills the gap. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see that, because there's a difference between watching something and being pissed off and then there's another feeling of like you're watching something and you're like bored but you kind of get reeled back in you know the second one just flat out was so fucking it was just annoying to me how like you can even count that as a direct sequel when the third one is like you know yeah. fuck it dude and the third one do doesn't get whole the game blame different. for bringing it to like LA because at this point the second one's fudged that so bad that um, they're the ones who started that whole Toronto storyline. So the third one doesn't get the fault for continuing that. Although, yeah. come on, we're supposed to believe. I I guess this all is supposed to be twenty five after, years after the fact. But um, is it twenty five? How old was she in the second one? How old was Caroline? Like four or five? Well, that's at the that's the jump forward. It would be basically. I don't know how old. I feel like they're trying to make Caroline's movie be like twenty five. She looks. Yeah. 35 to 40. So I would give it credit and be, yeah, 25 would be the age. But you thought she looked 25, the, though? Huh? Did you think she actually looked 25 in this movie? I don't want to be disrespectful, but like just the facial structure of hers looked like she, she had a 30 year old's facial structure. Yeah, no, we're not being disrespectful. We said very pleasant things about oh, her. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> but I took notes on her, dude. She looks 35 to 40. Yeah, yeah, but. I feel like, yeah, she would have to be 20, at least somewhere young, because if you think about it, dude, this movie, wouldn't it be taking place literally in, like, 2015? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, they, yeah, where would be the, no, it would be, like, 2020, wouldn't it? It would be somewhere around there, because the second one was 95, so, yeah. Oh, the second one was 95? Yeah. So, yeah, 25 years later, you do, they, so they should have done something futuristic. <laughs> They don't even address well, yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you didn't think well, of smartphones or anything? Or cell phones? Yeah. Well, and it's crazy how... Because you would assume this is probably filmed 1998, right? Sure. During the time it was filmed. I don't even think they... They don't use phones in this movie at all, do they? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Cell phones like, definitely existed. Yeah. They're it, like, oh, this thing won't be say. ubiquitous. It's just a fad. But, yeah. <laughs> But maybe that's Candyman's lore. Candyman, because he needs rumors so bad, he stopped the production of the iPhone. He never let it go on. He probably killed Steve Jobs in like 2003 or something. Like he did not let, because with the the smartphone, I think it would have ruined the rumor because people would have taken videos and stuff. (laughs) She would have been caught on World Star, dude. Yeah, it's wild. if, If this is like in 2015, 2020 almost. Worldstar would be a thing, and like Candyman would be caught in 4K <laughs> on Worldstar. Well, great. well, and the, the new one doesn't address that. It's like 360p. They don't address that in the new one because the new one picks up after the first one. So yeah, the, the timelines—it's well, literally like alternate realities. It's weird because the new one is supposedly like modern day, right? Like art, yeah. Day. But the original was 1992, right? Yes. So. 
that would be so would would the main character in the new one be like 28 oh because it's like because i mean granted you know like I, I always do it like, oh, eight plus years would be 2,000, then just add another 21, so he'd be like 29, 28. Who? The, oh, the baby? Yeah, yeah. Anthony, yeah, the name, baby. Yeah. And so it's weird because that's like almost kind of a direct sequel, J- just from like, you know. What a wild choice, lore. though, to just <laughs> say, yeah, it's 20, not really actually address it, just address the first one, but like any, or address the second one. And if you're so concerned with tying it to the same storyline, why would you do that? Because then anybody who has half a brain goes, okay, so this would be like, you know, 25, 30 years later then. I wonder what people thought in 1999. They're like, damn, this sci-fi movie is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting like, like flying car or something, something to let them know like, yeah, it was in the future or some kind of Blade Runner. Dude, when when was uh, Back to the Future made? I don't know. 80? Was it like 89? Something like that. Something like that? But that just movie not, feels a lot more ageless. But they they weren't trying. One. We're just joking. But they obviously weren't trying to make it futuristic or even address it. But what a strange. Choice. Oh yeah, not at all. If, but it, if, it, yeah, it's a really strange concept to think about when it's like, okay, you were like four, just four years ago, and now you're like twenty five. Yeah, and to not actually address the timing of it. But I think what would have been smarter if they really were concerned with tying it to the second one and that storyline, why didn't they just have it like either you could have done like Annie's sister or something, but you could have also just done the girl who is like five years older. So like a 10 year old and that'd be a different twist on it because it'd be a kid this time, you know? Yeah. Like and and here's the thing, too, man, is that sure you could pick up the place to where. You know, it's the same. It's the same bloodline, but they didn't really have to limit themselves to Annie's, or I guess you know, uh, Daniel. No parts. You know, bloodline. You didn't have to continue from that. You could have literally done a completely new character. Yeah, because at this point, it's so out of whack anyway. That yeah, like it really wouldn't matter. Yeah. So. And and then yeah, you have the whole Tarrant family tie-in. That was like it seems like their most important thing to them, and specifically that's Caroline, the little girl. Which I mean, I give them credit for really trying to do that because I think most you know movies at this time, especially when it's five years later, they're like, nah, who cares? Just throw something at the wall. They really wanted to be loyal to that because you end with the second one with the little girl. So that's cool that they stuck to it, but why do it so far in the future? You know why? Because they're like, we need to have a hot blonde girl lead. We got to have a babe. We got to have a playboy babe, dude. Yeah. Someone, someone granted like 21, 22 years from now to do a podcast on and take a lot of notes on her. I mean, she even mentions right in the beginning, she's doing like some narrating. I think she's explaining it to Mara. She's like, yeah, so Daniel Robitaille is my great-great-grandfather. Yeah, and they retcon... They technically retcon what the fuck happens again on his backstory. Okay, why did they just throw in there that the Confederate soldier thing? Yeah, he he wasn't was he not? He, I I swear he was like a factory owner or something, right? The father. Oh no, Before he being was a Confederate general. He would created shoes, like he created some yeah. patent or Wait, some some kind of product no, for a shoe. No, I think that was. Uh, Anthony Robitaille or Daniel Robitaille? Oh, Daniel Robitaille's father. 
Yeah, yeah his father made right. shoes. But but no, but the third movie says that he was the son of a slave. Well, he kind of was in the sense that. So uh, I mean, I, I, his I guess dad just was saying, was a slave at one point, and then at one like, point, okay. was allowed his because freedom. I, what I what I saw that they retconned was, um, the way how Candyman died again, which, like, what you don't need to do that because it didn't really add anything. Which part about it? They he was hung up on a cross. Oh. With bees, and then the crowd was shouting Candyman. They didn't even do the whole, you know, kid making it up. And then sweets for the sweet, like a guy said it instead of the girl. Yeah. Like just a random dude, like a, just a random ass dude being like, sweets for the sweet. Yeah. I don't know why and they did that. I, yeah, I don't know why they. Because he, th- I wrote a note about this, though. My note was that um, for this movie's credit, I wonder if they're quote-unquote retcon of his story is to kind of convey how the public see this side of Daniel Robitaille, the Candyman. Because notice how in the second movie, it was literally Candyman like transmitting his memory to Annie. So you really got the like the quote-unquote canon history. But in this one, it's more so uh, Caroline kind of just um, spinning the tale of Candyman. Oh, but to her daughter. You would, you, yeah, her daughter. But you would think that Annie taught her the real backstory. So then, why would it, you know, be ch- different? Why would it be changed more, like emphasized on oh, his evil reincarnate? Because this is a good segue, Jordan. Of I got a question for you, what? and I want to, I want to know if you know the answer to it. What was? Candyman's motivation for Candyman 3. What did he want? <laughs> you love this. What did uh, he want? No, because I know. Because you find out what he wants. I know he wants her. Well, they're going with the incest angle again, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Why? What? Excuse me? You want to fuck your great, great granddaughter? And he does, doesn't he? He do- Well, he doesn't fuck her. But he, he fucking sucks the life out of those fat lips of hers. Hey, can you blame him? <laughs> yeah, I can he, fucking blame even him. Even the candy man's got urges. I, he wants the sweets dude. to that sweet, if you know what I'm saying. No, Jordan, I, I, I don't. I mean, but we like, see Caroline's why? boobs straight up, too. I was like, that's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, like... I mean, the straight... Dude, <laughs> you have ruined all sympathy I had for this dude. Oh, wait, because... no, I'm sorry. Not even the new Caroline. We see the old Caroline's boobs. I'm like, that's the most disrespectful. Yeah. You know? Like he, he's, I, uh, when dude, they do I the flashback, I... I'm like, wait... I don't when you're supposed to have the actual romance because there's kind of like a a sadness to that initial story. It's like, yeah, what here was she the is. Point of Helen, then, if literally she, <laughs> the whole character of Ellen was literally meant for Candyman to like almost cope with the fact that you are almost like a reincarnate to my Caroline. Like, I I want you because you know at the end of the day he has a broken heart. Like he's missing a piece of his love because it was taken from him. Like, but he's not worried. Sure, about he lost that his life. Hey, but yeah, different. now he's stooped to incest, dude. He's like, ah, I'm widowed. Fuck it, granddaughter come can, here, or great great. Literally, he's now shown that he can be. He can go to Chicago. He can go to L.A. He can go to New Orleans. So like, he has the pick of like he can pick whatever he wants, and he goes for the incest. We're going back to the he. He's becoming that spectral pimp, Jordan. 
I mean, that they're kind of painting him in a in a interesting light. Like that's kind of he's got a thing for that. They're making him kind of a freak. Yeah, for, for a lot of the respectable decisions they do in this movie, I feel like that's the stupidest. I mean, the storyline is atrocious. I give him no credit it's for that. It's not even there. Oh yeah, no, not at all. Like he's like, oh, fucking David busts in her, you know, apartment. He's like. Yeah, the fucking cops have been doing good cop, bad cop on me all day, and they're racist and they'll fucking pay. I mean, which is like, okay, a little bit of an interesting plot. Like, at first you're like, all right, dude, we got to you solve this mystery. That's a good narrative vessel. Fuck it. I'm down. And then when Caroline's like, we got to find the gang that stole the paintings. What? Uh, bit. We got to find. How did they not? Because she, she words it like, we're going to find the gang and figure out that they took the pa- they're going to let us know that they took the painting so we can tell the cops it- how did they <laughs> actually write that down and not I say like oh come back to this later we got to find a way that she has to go search for it but not literally this just blonde girl going like we got to find the gang a gang in East LA she's going to end up beheaded <laughs> like that, that is that is literally why 20 minutes dude when i'm like wow caroline is the smartest character so far in this entire movie she has then become thusly the fucking stupidest character she has become the bimbo she has sworn to destroy the trope of i mean that, that seems like they wrote this in an afternoon after seeing that because that is atrocious i just i dude they've been watching they've been watching way too much mr robot Way before their time, dude. To go back to the uh, boobs, too. You don't see boobs. Like, the first one doesn't have it at all. It's like anti-trope in that sense of, like, the only time you see, you do see, like, Helen's boobs, but it's in a really bad situation. Like, it's not like a ooh way. It's like her life just crumbled before she's in the bathtub and basically just got confirmation that her husband cheated on her. And her, like, life is crumbling. And she just happens to be in the bathtub. Uh, Cut to the third one. Mm -hmm. And we're just like... We're throwing titties. We we see. Uh, I think we see three pairs of tits in this whole movie. I counted. Well, no. Three. So we got old Caroline, the OG Caroline. We got Annie. We got new Caroline. Basically, I mean, through his shirt, the whole third act, you could see him the whole time. That counts. And then you have that one. Oh, so four. Yeah, yeah, that one chick with the honey and stuff when he was macking up to Miguel. Yeah, Miguel, the art director. I'm <laughs> like, they, they really. They, they respect. <laughs> to who? <laughs> to the directors? The two powerhouses? Exactly. Not their oh, writing, just yeah. their decisions. <laughs> their decisions on making this movie fly. Yeah, and I wanted to segue from how the first movie was like literally art. And in the third one, I thought that Caroline was an artist because she had all those like sketches and stuff. Of she Candyman. is. No, she's an art collector. She's not an artist. Okay, so that's what I originally thought, but after yeah, I seeing, thought she was an artist too, going through like a sketchbook. No, she just bought all of those. No, I think she is supposed to be an artist. They just did it terribly because I thought she was no, just a, an art like uh, like collector I, I read, or like. I read curator. the wiki. She is an art collector. They state in the movie synopsis that she's an art collector. Oh, okay, then the synopsis I read yeah. is wrong. Then <laughs> yeah, well, I do. There, there's no synopsis for this movie, but. Yeah, from what they said, and I even think that uh, Tamara brings it up. Yeah. About like you can't keep buying these paintings or something like that. But I wasn't. I was so confused because I, I know she's an art collector because she inherited the paintings that she got from Annie because of that whole you know museum collection shit. 
But then I was like, so wait, are you an artist? Why do you just have random sketches of... I don't know where she bought all those... She is drawing, though, in the beginning, isn't she? She's not, no. Oh, my God. You know what they could have done? But I know they... Well, okay, now hold on. Now, this is... um, New Orleans was the second one, right? We, it was set in New Orleans, right? Yeah. I don't want to misremember. And then this is in L.A. So, is that, like, almost... I, geographically, I'm, I'm, I'm quite stupid... How far is that away from each other? New Orleans far. to East LA. Far? Yeah. <sighs> New Orleans? They, they could have... Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, Louisiana. That's like close oh, to Louisiana. Okay, yeah. No, that is so... Okay. <laughs> Dude, so... They could have perfectly incorporated Michael from the second one. I think his name is Michael, right? The kid that goes missing for like three days. The The... Son of the pasture? Maybe. I don't remember. His name's Michael. Probably. Sure. They, they could have really used him. Because it seems like there is the common element of like bringing in art to Candyman, which I like. But none of the movies, except for the first one, really do it well. They always kind of fall flat. Like They show off all this art, but like it really means nothing. Well, the, I don't think the art was central. I mean, yes, Candyman was an artist, but they like missed the mark where they try so much to care about the art side of it as opposed to like the actual like race, the point of why it's in Cabrini Green and why these movies keep making it in New Orleans and L.A. to kind of to get that like, you know, urban aspect like it, this time isn't the black. It's the Mexican, which is fine. That could have been a unique that that angle, kinda, but it doesn't yeah, apply. That was a unique angle, but it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Like it's not; it has no yeah. bearing or factor. There's no commentary. All you have is a racist cop. That doesn't so, t- make any sense, though. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Go, going into art and like race, because like the racist cop is like, all right, you know, I can respect the concept of the modern day antagonist of how. Obviously, back in Daniel Robitaille's era, where it was the people that were all unanimously like racist towards him, it was like mob mentality. Now you got these cops, you know, the civil protectors being racist. So that's kind of like a weird, you know, almost kind of metaphorical reincarnate of those same people that Candyman was killed by. I'm giving them way too much fun. Yeah, the 90s, like, I don't, I think that's actually super believable. The 90s, the LAPD, you got like the Rodney King incident, like, you have like, terrible things happen. The LAPD is like so corrupt, so racist, provably. So that part is believable. It just doesn't actually... Anything that you're saying about it is like, oh, like metaphorically, but they don't Mm -hmm. actually tie it to anything. It doesn't actually affect the story really. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, there's not like subtle commentary. It's just like, it is what it is. There's a racist cop. So we got the race angle in there. It's not like... Yeah. It's not making any like any statements at all subtle or blatantly it's not making any statements really yeah so so going into that uh you know making statements you know the (laughs) this the source of Candyman's power in this movie is his fucking self-portrait so can we talk about the cult so oh, yeah. let, let's start. Let's start getting towards a little bit of the end of the movie now, where we're at like the climax, where she eventually not even the cult, the gang, which was a bunch of fucking white emo people. <laughs> yeah, Every I'm just movie, like, this is your fucking gang that broke into 
every, every, every horror sequel, like three or after, is going to include a cult. Really? <laughs> yeah. At some point, Damn, they okay, have that was to. my first experience then with that trope. They have to. The only one that didn't really is the Nightmare on Elm Street, but they wanted to. <laughs> there was like Did plenty Friday of script rights. I can't. I feel like they might have. Halloween. I, I do know the trope of like horror movies eventually getting that cult following, but like, so here we are. Like they're trying to resurrect them. That's a very common thing. Wait. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Trope. Trope wise, I thought you were talking about in this movie. Yeah. No. So what was well, the they whole? Are. They're trying to bring him out. No, I think they're trying to keep his legend alive. Mm. They're not trying to bring him out. They're trying to no, because the, she the even main... says Candyman in the mirror, the one emo chick. No, because they're like, because no. So I know what you're talking about. So when she gets ball gagged and like captured because. You're fuck. First of all, you're fucking stupid. Why on earth would you? There's the bimbo genes coming in, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna go approach this gang, and like the whole dude's feeding her the story, which is like, okay, that's kind of a clever way of like deceiving the audience of like this dude's playing off like, oh, it's like this is fuck. Get those. I don't fucking want those paintings, dude. They're doing some weird shit, you know. And that that's kind of like a believable, you know trick the audience kind of deal. But then you get into it, and it's like, oh wow, they fucking betrayed her. Uh oh! Wow, criminals! Wh- wh- I didn't know that was gonna happen. So then, you know, they're starting to freak out, and like, I guess because it's my first time knowing this trope, I'm like, "Damn, dude! All right, like they they have like Candyman's got a cult. This is what he wants, right? He wants this cult of people because they're gonna carry on his legacy. And so then they're hyping up in themselves, and then the main dude with the hook, the fucking like six foot five dude, is like. Uh, say his name if you dare, because the one chick's like, "Oh, like can, can I can I call him?" And he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, do it." And then so show you know, Caroline's just like, ooh, ooh, like fucking freaking out, like don't say his name, you know. She's shitting her pants, and then she says it five times, and then like, uh, yeah, because do they're you trying not? To bring him out. What? They're trying to bring him out. Well, because I, I, I think they're just, yeah, I don't know what, I, I really don't know what their plan was other than just, like, I want to see them. Because the, their whole point of their, like, their, their whole collaboration was meant to maintain his legend, frame these murders on the name of Candyman. That's what the guy explicitly is saying. He's like, we want to maintain his legend so from years to years people will, like, know his name. And then they summon Candyman, and then literally Candyman's route to actual literal fucking immortality, his actual cult, he just fucking kills them all. And <laughs> I don't mind that, th- though. You know what's going to happen. You're like, oh, these are all dead. But then what the I fuck? Like that. Dude, what is, your, what is your deal? What do you want? Like, I mean, obviously the third movie just says it flat out. He wants to bang his great-great-granddaughter. I mean, they do but the then- same thing, too. It's like the second one ruined that, too, with like he doesn't want crowds to see like when he's like appearing to caroline yeah, in that giant crowd killing he's not because his whole motivation for you know hunting down annie and the second one is like you didn't believe in me you know well, okay i'll get to that but he's like you didn't believe in me like i'm gonna make it so that you believe in me i am real like he's basically he doesn't want people that already believe he wants to convert the non-believers the non-believers <laughs> yeah so then he kills off all the fucking believers of his cult literally i like that though. dude i like I that mean, because it's always i mean you know it's gonna happen the second you see him but it's always you know the people who uh 
think he's just something to be played around with, something you could just summon, and he's at our control. Yeah, he's going to murk you instantly. Like that part. I would have liked it if they tried using him for their own. Like I, I would have liked it if they were trying to use him as like a weapon. You know what I mean? Like, like take advantage of him. But they were fully faithful and well, in loyal a sense they to are, the cause because they think they can control it. They think it's something that is like at their beckoning. And no, he's just gonna wreck you instantly. Well, no, because they were just no, because they they believed in the whole "what is blood for if not to shed." Like they they were pulling quotes from the first fucking movie and shit like that. They right. were like all down with the syndrome. You know, they were but they're just like basically edgy teenagers or edgy dudes that just like think that's something cool until they actually comes face to face and realize like this is the real deal and he's gonna wreck you instantly. All right, well, okay, I'll, I'll what bite I don't on like that. is like I said when they're in a giant crowd and he's showing Caroline her mom in front of her like summons her and is like slitting her throat in front of everyone and just nobody can see it. And why wouldn't he no, want people to no. see it if he wants his legend to continue? That would be great for a we legend. Found, we found out his goal after technically a movie. After the sequel, we were left in question. What does he want? What are his motives? Because the sequel yeah. did jack shit to that. Because he did that in the second one. Out. With Purcell, he, instead of killing him in front of that giant crowd, he waits till he's alone in the bathroom. Why? Yeah. He wants to live a peaceful afterlife. And so apparently... And this one, he just needs to bang that great great granddaughter pussy. That that he just wants to get a fat slam in that for some reason. Yeah, and don't they do. make him way more molesty in this one. There, there's not so much of that charisma that he gave with Helen, but he was like all up in Caroline's fucking face and shit, and like yeah, he wasn't very sex seductive. scene with David. <laughs> that was just like distasteful because that that was just weird, man. That was just not kosher. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of and, that. And I gotta and I have to say, like, flat out. Candyman kept saying that you doubt my existence, Caroline. You don't believe in me. But she yet does you believe in me. Yeah, yeah. She fucking knows you exist, Dick. Why are you killing all these fucking people yeah. that have nothing to do with you? Because he even wrote believe. One of the first times he wrote "Believe" like on her wall yeah, or something. Yeah, in in the whole uh, crime scene. Yeah, it's like she already does believe though. Yeah, dude, she fucking when you showed up in the fucking subway, she was shitting her fucking pants brown. Like she fucking believes in you, dude. I don't know why you have to kill people. And like they keep saying throughout the movie, she's like, "I kept telling myself he wasn't real." And like, dude, Candyman, kill the motherfuckers that are literally telling her, "No, it's in your head. No, it's a guy just playing tricks." She knows, and if anything, make those people who doubt you believe in you. Like, because here's the thing, right? So when his whole, his whole other motive, other than banging his great great granddaughter, is he wants to make sure that everyone knows his legacy, his myth, like his legend, basically, right? He wants everybody. He wants to be a household name because in this one, they really villainize him because he when they start doing kind of like those. Uh, cut-ins of like time passing or something you know when it kind of like had those panning shots of like that random fucking meat shack with the whole graffiti and stuff mm-hmm. that you see of like his mouth basically for the third movie and he's like going into the poetry and everything and he, he uh i don't know if i wrote down the quote but he was talking about how like and my name will be known it will frighten children bring lovers like closer together like my name will be feared like yeah that's from the first or something movie. like it's from the first movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I must have. Wow. Then I must have. The context of that quote then in this movie definitely made it way more that 
he was focused on clout, even though literally he kept killing all of his avenues of clout. Yeah, like it was it was so weird. Like even the second one had a really hard time of like nailing down his motivation because in the first one it's more so show and don't tell but understandably so in the second and third one he's doing all this crazy jacked up shit doing slasher shit for shit we don't even know why until like near the end and then when you find out you're like okay dude the second one i feel bad for you but then i remember you just fucking killed all those people for no reason what because one bitch didn't believe you one blonde bump well i'm sorry not bimbo but just one blonde lady did not fucking believe in your myth when really it was her fucking well, mom that didn't believe. It, they're like saying the things but not doing it right because they're just including yeah. <laughs> all the themes from the first one and what they're ultimately trying to do, which they fudge this terribly, but they try to uh, have him go around her circle of people she knows and kill them all and leave her so it's just her with him basically because she has nothing left to live for. It doesn't work the same way that he's trying to intend it to so he's saying all these things yeah just like callbacks to the first one but that's ultimately like not what is happening at all and she you don't feel like the desperation and the only reason i keep bringing up the first one too is because that's what they're they're doing all the exact same things even with they have the exact same hook that she picks up and I'm like, wow, you couldn't yeah, even think of a new end. spin on this? It's just a wood handle with a hook? Like, that's not a common tool around. Like, why does he just happen to find that again? <laughs> yeah. Unless the cultists have it there because it's like a The cultists had it homage. there. No, the, the main guy of the cult had it. He was basically... Because right before she got jumped, they knocked her out with the hook. I don't know how the fuck they knock her out. I mean, granted, you could do it with the handle, but dude, you could literally hook her fucking face in. Yeah, so obviously they they know about the story of the first one with Helen. You would think you would bring it up, though, but... And why does in the no. grandma, she abuela, she starts talking about abuela. like her whole sequence, both of her sequences make no sense. But she talks about she tells, um, what's her name, Caroline, that evil cannot exist without good. So Car- she's like kill the good. Yeah, she needs to destroy the good, and then she just goes the painting instead of being like, what are you talking about? Like. <laughs> speak English like even though she is speaking English she's like like make sense to me what are you saying just be out with it I don't need metaphors right now what are you saying I just saw a cop get gutted in front of me please just tell me what you mean she instantly goes it's that Yoda training dude it's that the Latino Yoda but if you do want a, a more um, fun way to like view it the grandma just she's unintentionally hilarious if you just like oh she's if, great dude when she gets I, pissed and like uh, David's telling her to like, oh, sit down, let it go, and then she just. Well, that's what I'm claps. saying. Like, view her as like a mentally challenged person, or no, like head no. deep into dementia, and it's really funny because <laughs> she just like Dude. claps and has that dumb look on her face, and she's definitely not a healer. Like, it's just some like <laughs> people view her as a healer because she's just always rambling, saying crazy things. <laughs> yeah, and then she rips that fat Cracks blunt. And, and that was a yeah. She smoked that fat blunt. And yeah, like, I just imagine she's like super on. high. Like, <laughs> just, I have to. I have to say though, saying crazy um, stuff. Another shot that was pretty damn cool, in my opinion, was that yoke with the little blood droplet in the center. And oh, then yeah. when they left the room, and then like that bee coming out and the blood pooling in, I thought that was yeah. Really I did cool. like that. That one. was like another really really nice visually looking scene. Or that's fucking redundant. Yeah, really nice visual. Yeah, no, I did like that one. 
yeah, that, that was really cool. Is there anything you and, want to talk about? I actually have that exact one written down. I had the blood drop one yeah. and the bleeding edge and B coming out as things I really like. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, I even think though my, that's all possession stuff too, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all this yeah. stuff really doesn't make sense for Camille Lara, but hey, it was cool. Again, they're they're just throwing shit in because they're like, dude, you know, fuck the story, just go in with the really nice visuals and like in a weird angle, that's kind of respectable more so than the second one because like the second one tried like in quotes tried but didn't give jack shit about it the third one was like let's not so much so try too hard let's just try to create some really you know nice visuals and so what i will say is that uh one of my favorite kills uh which i think was actually in it and i'm I'm really mixed on it but i i'm gonna appreciate it because i thought it was cool as fuck was that fucking cop car scene oh yeah that was like that was fucking cool. That was like my. We could just cover that fav- then, though. I think that that's my favorite kill. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Because like, just that kind of like, you know, cutesy little figure was like, oh, 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 like fucking with Caroline, like an asshole, being a complete fucking dick to her. You know, she believes it, and he's like, oh, fucking around, and he's laughing, and he starts to cough. It's just so it, bloody too. It's it's gruesome. Yeah. I was like, wow, they really fucking amped it up. This Candyman it, doesn't really have. They're not bloody, any of them, but this one was. This one and uh, mm. Tamara's death, man, they were they were pretty good. I gruesome. hated Tamara's death because that was so unnecessary. Well, just, the lead-up was oh, so bad. How she's going, ah, screaming, and then she walks in. Yeah, she's like, she I got the, the part. goofy-ass face. She, yeah, I got the oh, part yeah, the in the up. horror oh, movie. You're talking about right before they go to the apartment when like she's freaking out, looking for her. When she goes, like, she just hears part. screaming, and then she runs in, and she's like, ah, I got the part in the horror movie. As soon as, oh, soon as oh she said, God. please don't kill me, I was like, that's not real, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck off. Oh, it's so bad. So, so bad. All right. That is there bad. anything else you want to cover on the things you did like? On the things I did like, there were really nice shots. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's one more shot. I'm not. The only one other one I had was like the, the naked girl with Miguel getting swarmed by the bees because she looked like covered in them. You know, her fake yeah. acting death was rough, but um. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the the visuals were definitely rough on that kill. I was like, I appreciate the the actual kill itself because I'm like, that's pretty fun. You know, it, it's kind of a funny little ironic way to die in Candyman, rubbing yourself in honey, trying to get kinky and shit. What she was fine. It was like alive. the initial swarming, but after she definitely didn't look like she was about to die because they were just like chilling and and not. Yeah, they were just resting yeah, on the body. They though. weren't like swarming or stinging, but damn dude nice tits well that's the only other thing they were they were taking notes things i liked but damn caroline's titties are out especially after (laughs) she changes atabuela's from her bloody lapd gear into a see-through wife beater oh yeah oh and then she's running when the cops show over the apartment she's running and just bouncing they're like use the back door and it's like yeah no cops are at the back door of their house yeah when the cultists also when they tie her up they instead of like tiring up like around the middle like you know like horizontally around like you would they tie it from her up over her shoulder down her chest like to the bottom like it doesn't make any sense but it's literally just a split between her boobs so it makes it tight and her boobs are popping out like this is hilarious i mean there's no reason why anyone would tie someone up but there is if you're trying to go for that shot (laughs) if you're trying to dude can can we can we please just mention because this is the last thing i have to say for the movie uh, in terms of just going over it, is that fucking subway jump scare with the old man? 
I don't remember. Right. So right after the art museum, uh, you know, prank that she gets pulled on where David is still kind of pretending okay. to be that crazy cultist. You know, she's going home alone and she's walking through in the subway and it's just this like wide empty shot. Like literally like no one's there uh, to describe the scene. No, just tell me familiar, which. Yeah, no. Assuming I've seen it, just which part about it? Yeah, no. So no, no, no. Cause so she's basically she's walking through an empty subway hall, and then this old man just comes through from behind a pillar, from our perspective, but from her perspective, he's standing right in front of her and just walks in front of her, and he's like, "Watch where you're going," and the music goes, <laughs> like fucking, like literally. And in my head, I'm like, "Okay, dude, what, what, how was that?" really you're really gonna play that off as her getting scared when literally from her eyes she would have clearly seen that fucking old fart standing there sitting by a pillar his fucking arms crossed and he's like man watch where you're going it's it's, it's scary out here like that is like out of all the shitty jump scares in this film that is like the most inexcusable because first of all do not fucking even act like you were scared caroline because he was literally right in front of you. He was hiding behind a pillar from us, like literally the viewers. I couldn't believe they like, did was... another f- dumb fake horror scare at the art director show like they did with... Um, the, the sequel? Yeah, like they did with the sequel, like with um, Purcell when he comes out of the projector screen, like mm-hmm, the, the fake projector, thing. And then they break that mirror yeah. and stuff. And the guy who does it is the actor, David the Laposte, that he's supposedly in love with out of like nowhere for no reason, which really she thinks he's a dick in the beating for doing that. Yeah. Which is like, I feel like it shouldn't have been him too. That Candyman was trying to bait her with. It probably should have been the little girl, his daughter. Cause we're supposed to believe that she's so in love with this guy already that like she has to save him at whatever cost. Yeah. I, it's weird, just weird motivation for her alone. That, that just whole gimmick. I think the stakes would have definitely been higher if it was the kid. Oh yeah, and like getting to the ending after the whole climax, um, that that fucking final dream sequence to the ending right before we get the whole picnic at the grave. Who whose gravestone was that at the Annie's. end? Was it Annie's? Okay, I, I I didn't know fully because I it looked like Annie because it's like the mom Annie, but I couldn't tell though because for some reason I was like, are they having like a picnic at that dude's? Uh, previous girlfriend the one that passed away and I'm like alright that's weird but then I was like overall I was like okay it has to be Annie for some reason but that dream sequence that had that one final jump scare where she's walking around in her fucking apartment and then she's like you're not real I destroyed your myth you know blamed it on uh, craft and she's like you know shit talking him in her dream and then the hook breaks out of the mirror and like she goes and then it cuts out of the dream and she just wakes up casually in the fucking cemetery. Well, the cop being the candy man was so bad. Can I, dude, and the way how they fucking, when they took that guy out, when Detective Jamal fucking capped him, dude, it was the funniest line delivery in this entire film. What did he say? Because he, uh, so what's, what's her last name? What what's Caroline's last name in this? Tarrant. It's not Tarrant. Oh, I don't know. It's like Mick something. Oh, McKeever. McKeever. Yeah, I don't know why it's called McKeever. Maybe is it taking over Paul's name? Maybe. I don't know. 
Yeah. Anyways, um, so he fucking blasts him in the back as he's like, you know, raising the hook. He's not even close to her, but he's just raising the hook. And, and he just the way he raises him. it, you know, he's gonna get shot. <laughs> well, I I'll be real. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, really? I was figuring something. No, I thought David was gonna fuck him up. He's gonna be like, no, just uppercuts him, knocks. That was his the most telegraphed. Out. I didn't know specifically that detective would shoot him, but that was the most telegraphed. Hey, someone's yeah, about you know, to yeah, stop you know, me. I, I knew he was gonna get taken down. I knew that for a fact, but I didn't know he was gonna get fucking capped from the. I think it was the back of the head. Really? I, I could be wrong. It could be his back, but that shot was so fucking. Just like it was kind of like that. Oh fuck! Like I, I burst out laughing because you see his face. You see uh, Wade Williams just kind of like go. Oh, f- ah. like he makes that fucking goofy face where he gets yeah. shot. He falls back dead, and then Detective Jamal's like, "Miss McKeever, are you all right?" Like he literally delivers. He's like he's like away from the mic too. He's like, "Miss McKeever, are you all right?" <laughs> Ugh, that that went down. beyond just horror tropes. That went to every trope of every movie ever that involves some kind of action or cop or drama. <laughs> yeah. Like, geez, that was the so last corny. minute save. That was TV movie right there, dude. One last thing. There was a lot, and it might just because I'm a I'm a piece of shit, and I took a film class for a year, but there was a lot of like cinematography, like oopsies in this movie really like they really did not pay attention to like a lot of their scenes i'm not going to go into them but if you watch this movie you can fucking tell and a big one was when detective jamal shot detective craft notice how craft gets shot dies but then you see jamal walk out from a corner and then into shot he like comes from the background from a hallway and then jumps into shot where you would assume that's where he shot from. It, it's so weird. It, hmm. He like literally comes into frame into the scene after the gunshot already went off, but the way where he comes in from, there's no way he would have shot him. Huh? I don't remember. Yeah, no, it, it's so weird. There's so many shots in this where like they're kind of like nitpicks because there's a lot of characters that are facing one direction. And then the next shot, they're like literally facing the opposite, and it's I like that's it. kind of like it's obvious to tell. How about uh, how yeah. like we have another magical totem instead of the mirror, we get a, <laughs> uh, painting. a painting. Like, come on, that's another TV movie thing. I feel like like it's all the magical painting you just have to destroy, destroy the good, which was his good past, and it's like what good part oh, was his dude. painting. Yeah, was. Well, that's the only good thing about it. And then he'll just fucking combust. He'll, die. he'll literally explode. He'll literally overheat. Yeah, I'm sick of that. And then can I just say, I promise, this is the last thing. Candyman's hook hand looked really shit in this movie. Really? Yeah, no, because his arm was so long. Because, so he has his, because it's his right arm that's the hook, right? Sure. Sure, yeah, I really don't remember, but... His left arm is like normal, and his hook arm, you can tell where the whole prosthetic, like, makeup is just literally he's holding on to, like, a handle oh. because it's extended. So, like, his one his one arm is, like, literally, like, three inches, or no, sorry, more like six inches longer than his left arm. Oh, that's rough. 
and it's weird. Yeah, he has a really long right arm. Like That's you can funny. notice it. It's like if you look at him, like you see it, and you're just like, dude, what? Like, I mean, he was granted, doing like low budget. He but, was also doing like kind of a. I mean, low budget, still three million, but still, I mean, oh, yeah, that's those are bad faux pas if that's the case. But he was also doing like, yeah. I feel like this is part of his acting, and like they pretty much let him do whatever he wants. I'm guessing since he kind of made the character. Well, he was a co-producer on this, right? Oh, was he? I didn't notice. Tony Todd. Yeah, no, he he helped produce this. Well, that's probably just like he probably wanted those rights if he was going to be involved with it. He's like, no, you're going to have to. Um, but he was doing like more of like a sorcerer thing too, like with all his hand yeah, movements like, and conjuring and like sticking his arm out like in a grasp, but it was very like play, like, like kind of like how we mentioned the first one, yeah. doing Phantom of the Opera and stuff like theatrical. Yes. Very theatrical, but it was very different. I think than the first yeah, that year. finale was kind of weird. I swear to God, he was going to fucking for, like force pull Caroline to him. He's like, yes. Caroline, don't betray me. I don't a know lot why. Of that I force. Pull. I love Tony Todd, but when he raises his voice and like yells as Candyman, it just does not work. It does not. Well, like, they, it's, it's like it's almost like Bernard Rose, the original director, like didn't give them the formula to how he was making Tony Todd's voice sound like that because the second one was off and the third one's way off. It basically just sounds like Tony yeah. Todd. Oh yeah. And well, yeah. It just doesn't have that effect. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. but also he does the same thing that they do in the second one with the ending where they do this like dramatic where he's crying and talking like a normal person again he cries right before he just <laughs> max on his great great granddaughter yeah that's like all that stuff is thank god there were some good kills and interesting horror aspects because this movie is just as bad as the second one. i can't even say which one's worse the plot is it's not even worth mentioning it's so bad but it's so weird, yeah. There, there are goods and bads. It fucking makes me want to gag when I say that talking about the second one. But there, are, there, are, there are pros and cons to each of these two films, the second and the third. So, you know, in For some, some reason, places where the second the one second slacked one. hard, third one fucking nailed. But then the third one, weirdly enough, kind of had some slack on other things that the second one didn't really nail. But they actually kind of, you know, made stuff work. So it, it's really interesting to see how both of these two movies could, you know, they they have separate levels of enjoyment. I It's weird to say, but I don't really, when I want to compare one to the other, I don't feel like it's justified because they're just two completely different direction-wise, completely different from each other. Well, before we go into our final thoughts, um, yeah. I don't think we need to do a whole segment on it. As it's obviously not as, not as much history with this one, but just to go over a few mm-hmm. that I have. Um one of the um, notes here says that like shortly before production began, Artisan discovered that Sony, who distributed the first film in the United States, had legal rights to any sequel. So someone in the legal department hadn't checked, but Sony ended up like declining any involvement and the film was free to go. So they almost like oh, completely shit. weren't even allowed to... Well, you know what? Sony Dude. dodged a bullet. Well, Sony <laughs> dodged a bullet, but also could have saved us a lot of headache. Because that, that today, that stuff would not fly. I feel like because they just wouldn't. Even, especially Sony, they would try to clamp down on any oh, yeah. rights, like property management or anything like that. IP retail, you that is so tightly held it's to so all these aggressive. different companies: Disney, Fox, Sony. They're all and these horror sequels. Look at all the just rights and intellectual property disputes are going on. It's nuts. 
Oh, it's, an, and it's they, insane. They Let's it not out. even talk about Friday the 13th. Yeah. That is crazy right now. So there was an interview of Tony Todd saying that uh, it was at Fangoria's actual convention. And it says this one oh, specifically okay. was 2008 uh, in Chicago that he did not care for this movie. So uh, <laughs> apparently he's and, quite uh, vocal about that. I feel bad, too, because he definitely wanted to get you know, a little bit of more control over this because he wanted to be a co-producer. But, yeah, no, it did not work out for him. Yeah, and I guess good for him. It's pretty. It's mostly forgotten, so it's not too much of a blight on him, on his career or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, of course, the first Candyman film to go straight to, you know, DVD, VHS in the United States, UK, and Australia. Um, it's the first Candyman film to not have any involvement from Polygram, on the production side. Yeah, I, I thought so. I thought I recognized a completely different production team, this one going through. There was a interview, too, of Tony Todd. This was still to Fangoria, but in 2004, saying that a fourth Candyman oh. film was being prepared and was supposed to have a $25 million budget. And Wow. Yeah, Tony Todd and Clyde Barker specifically discussed storyboarding ideas during the crew's meetings. And the sequel's meant to be winter set with action taking place in a New England women's college. And it was canceled most likely because of the problems with determining who owns the Candyman franchise, more IP oh. stuff. Uh, Dion Taylor, the director, was linked to the project at one point, according to Tony Todd. In the interview with Bloody Disgusting, Tony Todd said, I had an idea that they liked initially. It was going to take place in New England during a snowstorm because I had this image of Candyman in a blizzard. Because I'm from New England, I knew the power of having that mythic character in a snowstorm being undeterred by the elements. We had gone so far as to establish him as a professor at a girls' college. I kind of like wow. the snow aspect. That, yeah, holy shit that that sounds really fucking dope. Because that's almost kind of how, and I don't know why Candyman one. I definitely felt like had a colder, you know, atmosphere. It did, yeah. So Candyman in like colder weather because these past two movies have been very not so tropical but just kind of heat wavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like throwing him in that kind of cold climate could definitely add like no pun intended some chilling elements to him just being undeterred. Yeah, I feel like as long as someone's like reining it in and Tony Todd's not creating the whole story, which obviously would never happen, but because he has some ideas too that like I think were really great for Candyman, but then there's some that like kind of fell flat, like when he told the. One of like the costume people or something on the first one. I remember there was that note about him wanting an eye patch, stuff like that. So yeah, you know. But I think he's got a really good head for Candyman in general. So he needs oh, to yeah. be involved. I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah. Because he's just so in depth with that character. Oh, I mean, for he's sure. Tied with it, no matter what. So definitely, he's almost like an extension of that character. Definitely. Um, kill count wise, so. I had, like, it depends on what you count as kills. I had anywhere from, like, 12 to 13 because we got the boobs art girl, um, the art director himself, Miguel, the skinny detective. You got the cult leader with the lip ring. Yeah, but all the cult leaders. Yeah, the, all the cult that's leaders, where it so gets to like fucking, 12 to 13. <laughs> yeah, that, I'd say, like, yeah, about, like, eight more people on top of that. So, yeah, you got about 13. You also got, and you could count those. Caroline's mom, so technically you see her get a throat slashed. <laughs> yeah. And the racist cop. All right. Well, and, and then technically, Candyman. I mean, yeah. Is he a man though, or just candy? 
Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's it's time for the final thoughts. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Come with me. Damn, even just hearing that voice, you can hear the difference. Oh, you know? Yeah. No, completely, dude. So different. Just the, mm-hmm. the, the pausing, like the dramaticism, the effect on the voice, the per, the sound production. The performance. Yeah. Everything about it. Like just... you hear the screaming. Ugh. Oh, yeah. So um, to get into ratings, we got IMDb as a 4.0 flat. Rotten Tomato Critics, 8%. Yeah, really, really rough on this one. Audience, 23%. Um, I mean, no really awards or acclaim or anything like that to mention. Um, I guess let's just go into our ratings. So uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to tackle this? You go ahead, you go ahead. Fuck, I really got to just take initiative to you to go first. You know, it's funny because I probably enjoyed this a little bit more than the second one. You know what? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I actually, I did enjoy this more than the second one, definitely. Because the second one where I was enraged... The worst that this movie did was just bore me. I was never angry at certain points because in those kind of like long pauses of like anything eventful happening, we had really, really nice cinematography and the kills were very slasher, but they were good. They were actually really, really good kills. So I might, honestly, I'm probably going to bump this up entirely a point. I'm going to give this like a four out of 10. Because solely just on, although the story is not there, but it's not like the second one had a story to begin with. The Candyman character, I feel, definitely got tanked hard in the third one as opposed to the second. But the kills were a lot better. The shots were a lot cleaner. They were definitely way more uninspired in a sense, definitely. They they took a lot of elements from different genres, not so much Candyman. But regardless, it was enjoyable to watch. It was I enjoyed this movie as opposed to the second one. So I, I'm going to say just overall, because I enjoyed this Do you remember, rather than at all. Do you remember what you gave second. it on Candyman 2? Yeah, it was a 3. And what did I give it? You gave it like a 3.5. 3.5, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. no, because I'm gonna say yeah, no, Candyman two I did not enjoy. Only the fucking I'm shitty s- delivery of line. I liked I liked the cringe of it, but this one I enjoyed the 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 shiny bits, the nice pieces. Yeah, I'm actually surprised as I was wondering if my ranking is higher based on what I'm giving it, but it will be higher, but not much. I'm surprised I gave it a three point five. Just the name. I feel like this happens with franchises. The name alone of Candyman makes me give it more respect. I'm surprised I gave the second one a three point five. 
Yeah. No, I, I was surprised too. When you said 3.5, I was like, dude, you're really going 0. 0.5 points ahead of me? It's what rough. Are you doing, Jordan? I mean, that happens I'm with a lot of my ratings. I'm like, I was a little too nice. This one, though, I'm giving it a 3.8, uh, which I feel pretty confident yeah. about. And I'm glad it is higher, even though it's oh, like, yeah. just barely. Because it, it's weird, dude. You can definitely, like, I feel like both of these movies, one, two, and three, they have equal, like, pros and cons to them. It's not like one is... I mean, granted, the third one I feel like I like better, so it is better, in my opinion, than the second one. But I feel like it's kind of like... It, it, it's weird just how more well-received the second one is compared to this one, even though this one I feel like it's just a lot better because... Yeah, I don't get that reception being better because, yeah. to me, I'm actually way more polarized. That's why I'm surprised I'm only 0.3 higher on my rating because I mm-hmm. really... Did not like the second one. Like, really, really did not yeah. like it. It was boring, not interesting, um, nothing exciting, no, nothing rememberable out of the kills or the story. Just like such a dud. And yeah, this like, one, like the main casts, like acting was really bad. Like very campy, very cheesy. And like in this one, granted, you could kind of say it, it's still kind of cheesy, but it's. I would watch it I, again. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I would not see. I got through one. my second watch of this movie as opposed to the second one. I stopped halfway because I was like, "Dude, fuck this! I cannot." Would you say this movie is scary? Like viewing it now. Viewing it now, no. Same. Would you say it's scary when you're ten? I'll tell you right now that bathroom scene with the mom, that whole like demonic shit. That would have freaked me the fuck out when I was ten. That that was because j- that's what kind of hooked me back in. I was like, "Yo, what the? Are we really gonna be doing like stuff like this?" I like that. That's creepy. That's cool. So yeah, I would definitely be scared if I was ten. Yeah, I would that. say so too, for sure. There's a few haunting things in there. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. See, it's crazy because I I definitely want to praise this, but to make it more clear, this isn't a good movie. Right, far from it. No, but coming off of Candyman two to Candyman it was three, a breath of fresh air. It is a breath of fresh air, dude. Well, shit. Now that we got all this wrapped up, we can actually get into a really good Candyman movie again. Yeah, depending on who you ask. That's (laughs) exciting, dude. Do you think this one needs a sequel? Uh, It's weird. Because hearing that plot for the fourth one, I would have liked to see where that one would have went. Same. But I'm not going to give this movie credit. I'm not going to say that its sequel would be that fourth uh, hypothetical one that they were in talks with. Yeah. I'm just going to think that they're going to continue it off. I don't think so. Same. I mean, after going that down that Toronto storyline, I think a good 20, 21-year break that we had was needed. You had to really cleanse <laughs> yeah. ourselves of that. Because, man, we needed I would have liked to see that fourth one, though, for sure. Oh, dude, definitely. Yeah, no, that... Very, very, very interesting. Like, a complete change in like literally country i'm so. still of the idea though my number one pick would have been what bernard rose's idea was for the sequel that got turned down of an, like anthology, an anthology of urban yeah, legends no, that would have been cool that's sick man because no horror movie has the franchise has the balls to do it even though usually the creators john carpenter most famously what we were talking about wanted to do it too if production qual- companies would just let them do it It'd be so much better. Think if we had yeah. however many 12 Halloween movies or whatever. However, there's probably even more. And they were all anthology. Each one was different. Or, you know, four Candyman movies, and they were all different. 
Gosh, that'd be awesome. That would just be Someone needs the balls yeah. to let them do it. Um, I think we both co- covered think- our favorite kill. What were you going to say? I was going to say, do you think if the second and third one were just almost kind of reboots in itself, do you think we wouldn't have shit on it as much if they didn't try to incorporate elements from the previous movie? Because that's kind of interesting to think about. It is, but I think we would actually be... I think they would have to go to the extreme. The problem is they keep tying it. They have like... From the last movie, yeah. Yeah, they... They keep trying to involve elements, and that's what makes it off. I think, honestly, you have to just go to the extreme and not even mention or reference it at all or go the anthology approach. Because when you try to slightly tie it to it, it makes it even worse because then you start going, wait, so that was in Chicago, and he's tied to there, and now it's in New Orleans, and then you have the East L.A. Like That's what makes it shoddy. Yeah. You know, so... Um, it takes a it takes a bold director to kind of just ignore the previous film and just literally try to do something new. So that fourth movie script definitely interesting. I I, I feel like that would be an appropriate continuation. Yeah, probably would have gone back to Chicago. Um, and our <laughs> our last and final. I mean, like I said, we did cover the favorite kill. I think both of us were the kill, detective. Yeah, no, that cop car kill, that was dope as fuck. Because even him popping his head over the fucking front seat, that was good. I really, really liked that too. Yeah. That appearance was so fucking nice. So does it make it into the House of Horrors? My vote? Like like I said before, man, we're praising this a lot, but it's not at all a good movie. So, no. No? Dang, I think we got our first tie. Really? No, I'll well, also be saying but- no. <laughs> You almost Ooh, changed your oh, mind. Oh, you dude. had me, dude. I Holy shit, I was like, really? You were just about to change your mind, too, weren't you? No, I was going to say, debate me on this. Change my mind. Actually, I was, I was really curious to see what you thought qualified it for the House going of Going forward, like, All right. in the event of a tie, that's how it's going to go. That's I like that'd that idea. That would be amazing. That, oh, you know what? That'd be an awesome little yeah. side cast. Look at, we, we almost should have it in the House of Horrors now just because of what it's done for us now. And we have a whole new bit a whole new segment it is a breath of fresh air but you know i'm thinking jordan if we try recommending this to a friend be like oh dude this is in like our house of horrors like the best of the best they're gonna see Candyman three well and we like be like you did this if viewed for this movie we that would be a review like this movie is awesome and a breath of fresh air if viewed directly after Candyman two <laughs> that is right but then that's the twisted thing of it because we have to bring in Candyman 2, do we have to throw... Is it like a combo deal? If we put in three, we have to put in two? You'd have to put in the first one. can't get the full kick. Well, the first one is yeah, you can't in. get the full kick of the third one. Yeah, because like, to really appreciate the third one, you have to, in almost one sitting or within the same week, you have to watch the first one be like, wow, this is amazing. Be all hype as we were. Then you have to watch the second one. Be angry. Be pissed. Just crushed. <laughs> utterly destroyed yeah, in expectation. Just so let down. And then you view the third one. All of this within short succession third one you're like okay now it's ridiculous but i appreciate it <laughs> but no it That's... doesn't make it in the house of horrors oh, thank god <laughs> really thought i had to debate you on this one man we've been doing candy man for a while <laughs> but all right coming next candy man it's just called candy man right yep candy man 2021 the man which i'll be seeing again tomorrow all right, sounds good. All right, man. Now, will this be a breath of even fresher air from what we just got off of? Well, it sounds like you've had a change of heart. I feel like you maybe should see it again because I'm not going to... 
I don't want to put you on blast, but you weren't that keen on it after the first one, after their first viewing in theaters. Oh, wasn't keen. On- oh yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. So yeah, I'll say it right now, but definitely uh, it's changed my mind thinking over. It's like. Oh, it's a it's thinker. Like that slick goose comment I had. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't, Never didn't forget, grow me for dude. a while, but no. What episode is that? One, two? Oh, I think that's episode three or four. All right, everybody needs Maybe to three. find that slick goose. That's where I throw that into the fame. ending here. Never forget. All right, Never dude. Never forget slick goose. I'll see you next time for... All right, see you oh, guys. I probably should mention, too, feel free. You can always Ooh. email us at houseof1000, the number, horrors at gmail.com. And uh, leaving reviews is definitely helpful if you get the chance. Well, one-star reviews only, please. That's the only way we get better. Yes, please criticize Jordan. (laughs) Uh, I have done nothing wrong. I am just literally a spectator. I don't know. I'm being Jordan. I got some views on your opinions already. Go ahead. All right. Until next time. All right. Peace, guys. See ya. Peace.